Everyday Business Solutions, the podcast that offers you the right perspective on achieving success. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Everyday Business Solutions. My name is Haley Morris. I'm your podcast coordinator and host. With me today, I have Sam Riegsecker. Sam is actually my very own boss here at AA Solutions, and he is our marketing manager as well. Sam does everything from helping with the website and making sure that nothing crashes and burns online to coordinating a lot of the efforts between social media, graphics, partnerships, anything that's happening marketing related, Sam's got his hands in somewhere. Um, So he's our go-to marketing person. And I brought Sam on today to talk about social media and social media specifically with within the B2B space, because it is a growing presence. And I think when I first came into double uh, A and I came into the B2B space, the thought is that it's not as important. And I think that has changed a lot, especially since the start of quarantine up through now. Um, so Sam, like, tell us anything else about yourself, your past experience with social media, with working with the company. Tell us more about who you are. Yes. Yeah, so uh, when I started at AA, uh, we just basically had AA in one of the um, software as a service products. Um, and social media has really kind of grown a lot. I've been here for five years and um, it's been kind of a transitionary period um, in the learning experience from us. We were running Snapchat ads to help recruit uh, college kids back in the day. So um, we've kind of dabbled in a lot of different, uh, different platforms along the way. And, um, I would agree the last two years has really shown to, uh, in a business to business standpoint, you're starting to see a lot of, um, the stereotypical B2C styling coming out, uh, into the B2B marketing space across platforms, whether it be Facebook, uh, LinkedIn, Instagram, et cetera. So, it's been um, really cool to see that transition, um, at least in our space, across our portfolio products here. Um, in a little background, uh, previous to working here, I actually uh, built an online business that was solely based on social media. Um, I had connections into Hawaii and you know down south into Florida and up into Maine and Boston area. Uh, so... Uh, that business allowed me to learn a lot and allowed me to test a lot. And um, I still utilize a lot of that knowledge that I gained during that time in that phase of my life um, to help guide and um, tweak and provide uh, information to Haley um, and our social media team uh, to really challenge them um, and give them insight and feedback along the way. So that's kind of high level summary background there. Uh, for my social media and kind of where I've seen it start to transition um, in the last couple of years. What I think is interesting, I think uh, going back to that, that topic of um, B2C versus B2B marketing, especially in the realm of social media, is that everything I understood coming in was that that there was this old idea that was still kind of hovering and that it was that they're not the same thing that you can't treat B2B like B2C. And as I've learned and grown and really stepped into this position and my responsibilities, the thing I've seen, especially uh, mentoring and working with our own social media specialist is that 
it's not necessarily true. And I, I don't know if that's just because we've all seemed to drift online recently. People who weren't on TikTok or on TikTok, TikTok is a thing. Um, I don't even remember that Snapchat existed half the time. And then, you know, so there's more people on these platforms interacting as individuals and carrying kind of the agenda of the business that they support with them. But also the algorithms are built against businesses now, like Facebook um, and their other platform, Instagram, and I think even some others beyond that are locking down on letting businesses kind of rule the platform. They're getting stricter, letting their reach go not as far. Um, so I've seen it flip where it's almost seems like if you're in the B2B space, you need to be acting like a B2C. You need to be treating uh, your target audience as the individuals who are in the companies and not the companies themselves. Uh, so I kind of want to see more about your perspective on what you see in that, you know, and how that realm and that playing field kind of is from the different types of business. Yeah, I think it's, there's a fine line between the two, but I think they also kind of mesh very well together. I know you talked a little bit about Facebook. Um, rumor has it is only 10% of the people who follow or like your landing landing page. Wow. Uh, people who only 10% of the people who uh, follow your business page will likely see any posts that you make. So then it just becomes a numbers game. Um, do you post 10 times a day? Is that serving, uh, you know, would technically hitting potentially hundred percent of your audience. So it's kind of trying to find that fine line between providing enough value and content for people to engage, which helps drive more eyes to your um, profiles or, um, you know, do you just post once a day and just, you know, hope that it hits the right audience. And um, I, I think a lot of the B2B companies are finding that if you just post blog content, if you just post once a day, you're going to see a lot of your engagement fall. And that's just kind of the nature of the beast. Um, that's something that we've been we've been battling even internally, um, and it's something that we're continuing to get more creative out there. Whether it be informational um, stuff that videos videos that our marketing puts together, podcast stuff related to the podcast, um, trying to drive up that engagement because on these platforms, engagement's everything. Um, I know. Uh, Haley would say, like timing is you know everything. Part of timing. Um, part of, you know, is it look good? Does it, does it meet this? Is it graphically appealing? Is it this, that, and the other? And I, I think a lot of it at the end of the day comes down to, um, is it something that catches somebody's eye as they're scrolling through their feeds? Does it catch their eye? And are they willing to spend that one ounce of, uh, energy it takes to engage with that post? And that's universal. I think that goes across all the different platforms. Um, but I think a lot of the content differs based on platforms too. You know, you have your quick videos um, on Instagram, even Facebook now is promoting a lot more video content. So are you posting content that um, a lot of these platforms are leveraging more so than others? And as far as B2B versus B2C, I think, like I said, they kind of mesh together. Um, 
but I think there's a fine line between the two. So I think you still have to have leverage some sort of professionalism in your posting. You can't just post whatever you want, but I also think that people do business with people. So I think that there's kind of that murky area. And I think that's how it always has been. But I think the last two years, it's really kind of gotten clear. And I think most social media teams have really understood that uh, people do business with people. So what can I do to engage with the person on the other side of that screen um, to help get them to even start a conversation? So I think that's where the fine line has been kind of. um, And I think over the last two years, that's really shown itself. And I think the businesses who um, are investing the time and kind of understanding what their target audience is looking for, I think are really starting to see success. Um, And it's something that even in-house, we've been testing across our different platforms too. And um, we've seen a lot of success and growth on our platforms organically uh, just by making the switch from, you know, trying to be over-professional to finding that happy medium between, you know, per, uh, putting professional content out there, but then also having that engagement, pr- quote unquote, pretty stuff um, out there too, to help, you know, raise some eyebrows or um, get somebody interested in our system. So that's kind of a long winded summary of how I've seen B2B and B2C that argument. Um, I still think it's valid, but I think that it's, it's getting a little, I would say even more murky um, just because I think a lot of the bigger companies don't uh, even really think about the other person on the other side. They just kind of are posting content or it's automated. So, um, but yeah, that's my two cents on that. I was going to say, I think one of the biggest differences I've noted um, is that in the B2C space, the target of social media uh, engagement is this idea of seduction and being playful. Um, and, and I mean that as in you have to entice, it's not, um, it's, you have influencers, you have imagery and things that draw them in that say, oh, look at this person wearing our clothes or using this product. Don't you want to be them? And you're doing it with a lot more imagery and things like that versus especially in the software space, it's hard to, you can't just show imagery of your product and expect people to get it um, because you're not selling the imagery, you're selling the functionality and the lifestyle that comes with using this product, Um, which is hard to do because sometimes capturing that on film or on video is very costly and time consuming for very little result. So you seek other ways to engage them on a more frequent basis but it is a different type of interaction. And I think also with um, so many things going online, people just want to come on and have fun in social media. They don't want to be sold. And so that's where that content that's um, maybe a little more laid back, a little more either goofy or engaging comes in um, to increase your relevancy to that person that could eventually be a customer or might be a current customer and you're putting yourself back at the forefront of their mind. So I think that's, that's yeah. So that you brought up the idea of uh, uh, it made me think about our cartoons that we decided. Well, we launched way back in the day too. Is um, obviously we're a software as a service product, so our companies are software solutions. So how do you 
how do you best explain what you do in an easy to understand fashion? And we've selected cartoon animations that tell a story. So it's a problem solution. And then here's how the solution helps solve that problem. It's that uh, we found great success in doing that. And it's easy ways for, for people to understand kind of what we do and we can do it based on functionality. We can do it on topic. Um, I'm just thinking of some of the videos that we have in the pipeline. Um, a lot of them are more like objections we hear. Um, the sales team has certain objections. They hear, okay, this is something we've, we've heard a lot lately on the phones um, or in person. Uh, is there any way we can build a video on how uh, we help that? So I think a lot of that's just ebb and flow. Uh, but I think providing content that's fun and, uh, you know, another engaging, but good looking, I think graphically appealing. Um, and that's, we've seen great success. Even I know you and I both, we've worked a lot in the janitorial manager space and we've done a lot with our branding and that, uh, one of that companies that we run here. And, um, we've seen a lot of explosive growth just with having consistent branding, and that goes from social media posts, that's videos, that's emails, that's, you know, our newsletters, that's literally everything, our trade show booths, literally everything on our marketing side has transitioned in the last two years. I would say actually in the last two years, yeah, uh, to be way more consistent. And I think that too has helped um, us grow or I'll help us grow that company in general, just you know, having consistent branding and messaging has really proved to be successful for us. And I think that's something that a lot of even smaller companies find a hard time doing, but it can literally help scale your business more than, you know, what you understand too. So. Mm -hmm. Well, and kind of a side note, uh, stepping back as far as helping your social media effort, it doesn't have to be crazy hard from the design side in the background, the branding, all of that look and feel and the content creation you do, you don't have to be a graphic designer. You don't have to have the uh, craziest, strongest eye. I think being present on social media, even a small amount will help you um, with your reputation at this point in time. And things like Canva make it so easy to just hop on and create content and you can upload things like graphics that make um, maintaining that branding across your platforms that much easier. And you and I even, yeah, you and I even have talked about, uh, even recently on how, when you first started, or even when I first started Canva, I don't even think existed then. So we were having to build everything in a Photoshop or a video editor, and it was not fun. Um, it, it was really hard to have consistent branding and consistent, really anything. Um, it just was, I felt more cobbled together and there's so many different, uh, you know, build your own or templates like Canva has now that makes marketing a small business or even a B2B company really easy and efficient. And you, there's like folders of templates that are almost literally built for a brand. If you want to make it in Canva, it custom builds a lot of, you know, your stuff. So you stay on brand with your posts. So I think utilizing those tools can uh, really help more than harm, I guess, um, in that process of making sure your brand is consistent, but also having some of that 
uh, graphically appealing content out there that everybody looks for in your feed. I mean, I'm guilty of that too. I'm more willing to engage with something if it looks pretty, but that might be just the marketing in me, I guess. But, uh, but yeah. It's, so it's that's- true though, especially with um, the fact that uh, the large percentage of people on social media engage without sound. And so you are relying purely on what they're absorbing visually. And that might be text, but most of the time it's some form of in. Um, it's some form of imagery, imagery, I can't speak, imagery or video or quick engagement. Like LinkedIn has introduced their polls and people are obsessed with them. And including you. I, well, you know what? It's because I've seen a lot of people do it successfully. So I start pulling them. Right, right. But um, it's what people, you know, it's one of the current hot trends. I, they'll probably die down a bit but it opens up a level of engagement that you didn't have before. Now they can like and comment, but they can also vote in your poll. And I've noticed like my most recent post has over 1600 views versus before that I was getting less than 300 views per post. And it just, I didn't tag anybody. I don't even remember if I used hashtags or not. Um, But, you know, besides getting into the nitty gritty, there are ways to set it up that you don't have to be an expert. You don't have to take all of these hours per week to do it. Um, I know you were talking about frequency and that'll lead into one of my conversations around the algorithms and they're a beast. But before we kind of dive into that, um, I did want to go back to the cons- the the content conversation that we were having as far as what type of content B2B businesses are posting, right? Because there is the well-known rule if you've done any kind of certification, whether it's a free one or you've watched YouTube videos or whatever, eventually you're going to come across probably more times than you want the 80-20 rule, which is this idea that 80% of your content is meant to engage in some way. So um, information, education, entertainment, that sort of thing it's a non-push type of content. And then 20% is meant to be promotional. And that's supposed to be like the, the secret to success, which, you know, anybody can debate or push or whatever. But if, if you're kind of going roughly by the 80, 20 rule, how do you do that as a B2B? We, you know, you have the educational information um, type content that's probably going to be popular. We talked about some of the lighter ones. We've created our own memes recently and um, other relatable business posts that don't have anything to do particularly with exactly the product, but it's relatable to businesses. Yeah. And Um, we've seen a lot more engagement on those posts versus our normal posts too, which again, that's half the battle is getting in front of eyeballs and getting people to engage. Um, And the more they engage, the more you're pushed out. So Right. And the more eyeballs that see your uh, posts, which then could lead people to liking your page, following your page, buying your product, et cetera. So it's just, like I said, it's a numbers game. I'm a big believer in um, uh, this 80-20 rule. I I actually probably for a B2B space would probably lean more towards like a 90-10 personally, but I'm not necessarily a, uh, a big proponent on trying to sell your product to an end user uh, on social media. I'm not, I, I, I think more so it's an educational um, platform for, uh, businesses to, it's another touch point in the sales process, but I'm not saying it's one where people are going to say, I need that product because of this post. 
Um, I think that a lot, and this might be just the software, um, you know, selling, I guess, but I, I think B2C, I think you can do a lot more of the 80, 20, where, um, you're tagging products, you're driving inbound traffic to your website from your products and people are driving conversions. I think I can see that fitting very well, if not more promotional, uh, but for B2B, I think a lot of it is, you know, it's very, very hypercritical to add value, um, whether that be educational, industry news, uh, yeah, news about your product, new releases. Um, it, there's a lot of stuff that you can provide educationally. And uh, in the B2B space, I, f- I feel like it's more critical to provide that information on social while being fu- you can be fun and playful, but I think it's hypercritical to be more thought of as a thought leader on social, which can help drive somebody else inbound. Or if somebody follows your page, they've seen your stuff that's educational, they can actually share it to their feed. I mean, you're just providing more value because the likelihood of um, other people in that space, seeing that post then is very high. So that's kind of how I feel about the 80, 20 rule. I I'm a very, very, I think it's a great, I, I think it's a great kind of starting point for a lot of businesses. Um, but I think it, that it's a little more tailored more to the B2, B2C space than it is B2B. But that's, again, I think we all know that it's just an opinion on that kind of stuff. So, uh, but I think educational content is critical. Yeah. Well, and the point of the 80-20 rule is uh, to not be pushy and to not be self-centered with your content. Right. It's it, you're. It's really meant to push that boundary and to put you into the shoes of your desired consumer and the, the community. Ultimately on social media, you have to become part of the community that you would sell to, to be successful. You'll, you'll just be a separate entity floating out here with no idea what's going on. Um, but speaking of, because we've kind of touched on this throughout the conversation so far, there are these complex algorithms that run these social media sites from Facebook to Twitter to Instagram, LinkedIn. If you're on TikTok, if you're, you know, I think Snapchat actually does still exist, whether people are on that or not. Um, you know, whatever platform you're on, there are algorithms that govern who is seen when and who it gets put in front of. A lot of the algorithm is geared towards the person absorbing the content. So in this case, like the social media consumer, and it's going to be that everyday person um, versus, uh, you know, in the the social media space, there's also influencers and um, just other people who have gained quite a following. It's geared more towards the individual experience than anything else. But with that being said, most of these platforms have started to dampen the voices of business accounts. And it's one thing that like, I have influencer friends. I have one in New York, I have one in Hong Kong. And one thing they've said is if if they break their posting pattern or if um, Reels came out not too long ago on Instagram and Facebook is introducing and pushing more video content, short content, they actually share Reels through there and make them discoverable from Instagram through Facebook. So they're also pushing that. And those two platforms are owned by the same company. So it makes sense they're they're so interlocked at this point in time because that was the end goal is to merge all of their experiences together, 
which is why they renamed themselves Meta, right? But the big push is that short video content and they want you in reels and they want you doing that kind of stuff. And so people said, if they didn't jump on reels, even if it, it wasn't their main traction thing, that they noticed an immediate drop in the amount of uh, exposure they got across the platform. Or if they take a short break, because some of them personal life experiences pop up or they're just like mentally exhausted of dealing with all of the stuff that's going on on social media. It's like being at a party 24 seven that they need a break. They take one, two days off, a week off, and then they lose sometimes thousands of views per post. So everybody has seen that the algorithm is hard to navigate. And I guess from a B2B space where you're getting hit with almost like this dampener that they're putting on businesses, but you're also you know, you're on the same playing field as influencers, as the everyday consumer, um, as the individual, as the, uh, you know, B2C business, you're on the same playing field, you're playing the same numbers games. How do you, how do you keep up with the algorithms? How do you navigate? Um, you know, we talked about when to post or um, how to use hashtags so that you can try to raise those numbers. Yeah, I, I think, you hit the nail on the head. I think it's a big thing in consistency and it's self-educating. Your team should be reading on what's new as far as uh, what's the new algorithm or what are some theories on the new algorithm and testing. I think testing's big. Um, this even, I'm kind of in the same boat with your friends. Um, I have a decent following, but I stopped posting as consistency as consistently as I was just based on the time it takes to generate content now. And I don't, I'm not a big short video person. So I've seen a big hit in my audience too. Um, so I think utilizing, and we've talked a little bit too, you know, between you and I utilizing short video, I think kind of evolving with the products plus um, getting in a routine schedule and really sticking to it. Uh, I think is critical of trying to stay on top of all of these algorithms. And I think, We've seen a lot of success in building content out for multiple weeks in advance um, to help because there's so many pieces of content you got to generate. And we have, you know, six different companies we're posting for. So that's a lot of content we have to generate uh, in order to keep our news feeds full. So, um, you know, one company, I would say plan it out at least a week ahead. You can, there's even tools you can use um, to help you with the planning process, but uh I think it's just consistency. If you're posting at 9.30, 11.30, and 4.30, for example, stay true to that every day, um, every business day. You could even post some on Saturdays. Um, but just do, do a lot of testing and just be patient with the process because it does take time to figure out what your audience likes. Um, for a while, I could about tell you how many followers would engage with my post if I posted at 8.30 and if I posted at 4.30. Um, I could literally almost give you the exact amount of likes or shares or, or whatever I generate just based on time period. Um, that's because I tested a lot. And that's my own personal brand. I mean, that's a little bit separate than uh, B2B style, but I think a lot of it just comes with testing yourself and for your business and 
Um, try to figure out when your target audience is most active on social. So if, um, for example, if you sell software for uh, a cleaning company, for example, and I know I keep using JM as an example, but um, when are those people more active to be on social media? When are the decision makers more active to be on social media? If you're selling biz, like actual software to business owners, maybe lunchtime is the best time to post or at 10 o'clock at night when they're scrolling through as after they put their kids to bed. Um, so trying to figure out exactly where that time is, I think is critical to kind of quote unquote hack the algorithm. Uh, but it, it, like I said, it, it just takes time and some businesses don't, they struggle to have the patience to invest time in social media, but it is, I mean, it's a growing tool and these bigger companies are making it harder, harder to understand and help businesses. Like we had talked about a little bit before, um, but it's just a big time and you gotta be patient and um, you gotta have the content to use um, to figure out what works and what doesn't. Yeah. And, you know, I think the other thing, consistency, I would add to that master one or two platforms as best you can. So for example, we have, pretty good footholds on Facebook and Instagram with our JM company, right? We have a good amount of following. We're seeing an increase in engagement over time at a much higher rate than our other pages. And so those are ones that when we're curating posts and we're thinking of content, we're actually prioritizing those platforms because we already have the audience there and we know the audience wants to be there. Um, a lot of people are flocking to LinkedIn. LinkedIn's changed a lot in the last year or so where it's become less stuffy and people are being more human on that platform. It's still business. And it's actually a really great place to go on and talk about business because that's what people have come to do in there. Um, but now it's the human side of business. And I think that's a current trend in business too, is that the individual has risen in importance. Um, and our own comfort level, our own morals and stuff play a lot more into our career choices than they used to. Um, so I would say pick up one or two platforms that make sense for your business. If you're in a B2B space, LinkedIn is going to be huge. Facebook might be huge. Um, if you can get it on Instagram, like I said, the platforms are changing you just have to realize you're on the same space at B2C as influencers and you're kind of infringing on people's casual time. That's that's their downtime um, versus people come to Facebook for everything. LinkedIn is business and Twitter is, um, I've heard just a hodgepodge. I'm not personally on the platform. Um, but to, uh, Twitter is a little more politically charged. Um, a lot more fiery discussions seem to happen on that platform because or news based. So news, that's news, like news it depends. Yeah, news politics, but uh, break first. Right. So it depends. I think a lot of it just depends on your niche too. Like if you're a B two B business that is, you know, focused. A lot of your stuff happens. That's news. News. I think Twitter is a good platform for you. But I think you can't be boring on Twitter. Uh, I think it's, you have to try to find the fine line between engaging, asking questions and listening um, and be okay. If people get nasty, I mean, that's yeah. just kind of the nature of the beast. Um, people, are, uh, you know, people are charged on Twitter, whatever conversations they have, 
people came there to get a little riled up, get their pl- blood flow. And so I feel like, you know, it's part of the reason I got off Twitter, <laughs> but um, so no matter what you do, pick your platforms, master your platforms and really go from there. It, depending on your business, if you see a lot in your space, your competitors are on Twitter, you should probably be on Twitter because if there's a conversation happening in your space, and you're not there, you're not going to be relevant. You could just be left in the dust and you don't even know why there's whole things, whole, the world shifts because of things that happen on these platforms sometimes. And it is a little crazy, but you want to be in the midst of the conversation. It's also a really great way to put yourself the same level as the everyday consumer to be in the conversation and not, um, guessing, it's a way to, you know, we talked about posting and all of these other things. And I think one of the things to remember is the engagement as a business account or your LinkedIn, for example, your individual employees, your execs and your, and your people that are out there at their faces seeing the most, having that engagement, liking, commenting, being part of the conversations, being a thought leader, it usually doesn't happen in your own post. It happens outside of your posts. The conversations are already happening and you want to include yourself. People will come back to your account from that, but you have to make yourself relevant and part of the conversation first. Um, So I think it's just interesting. Another thing about um, social media is there's some things to be taken seriously. You know, obviously, like I said, things make or break on social media very quickly because there's so many people on these platforms from across the world. I was talking about friends in Hong Kong. I have two friends in Hong Kong I talk with on a daily basis. I've never, can't even imagine the plane ride to Hong Kong. It'd be so long. Um, mm-hmm. But also people came to have fun. I made a post to my own LinkedIn about people get a little too charged sometimes. And sometimes it's, it's good to just relax. Um, you can provide educational, informational content uh, but just bring out the good energy, you know, come in there for a positive reason. Don't come in there to fight. Um, well, that's like I- even Archie, our CEO, he is a big believer in positivity. And um, I think that rings true in a lot of our social media and how we handle, um, you know, those bad comments or those bad messages, I think continuing to be positive and doing your best to provide, you know, solutions to issues that people are having. I think one thing, if anything, the last two years is the amount of people uh, that have sent messages to all of our brand accounts over the last two years has probably 10 to 20 to 30 times what it used to be. Um, And part of that's because we've seen a lot of growth, but other people are willing to send a message because now they understand that there is somebody behind whoever's posting on that platform. So they're willing to reach out. We just got back from a huge trade show and we had uh, people who followed our social media direct message us and just say how much they enjoyed talking to the people at the booth. Um, And just, they thought the booth looked so cool and we did a great job putting it together. And so I think understanding that, uh, that, you know, there's actually people behind the scenes too. I think people, you're, uh, your target audience, plus your people who follow you understand that. So um, just being willing to respond to that stuff, but still in a professional way. So uh, 
you continue that positivity, even like I said, even if it's negative, I think it's critical to helping um, you grow as a business. Mm -hmm. And then I would say the big thing that uh, we touched on before, uh, niching down, um, that's a big marketing concept is, is to niche down because it's like just going out into an ocean with a casting a giant net and hoping you catch something versus actually going out looking to see where the fish are that can be like, you're not going to catch a shark in your net, hopefully, um, you know, going out and seeing where the fish you want to catch are and casting your net directly over them and knowing how long you need to wait and how you need to reel them in and uh, what to do with them when you get them on the boat. Like it's the same thing with social media. You can't just go out and cast your net and then sit there and wait for people to come in. They won't. They won't come in. You have to go out. You have to find your community. Um, so like I like fashion. There are so many pockets of fashion communities. I've managed to weasel my way into the historical fashion community. I don't post any content in that space, but I sure do comment a lot. Um, so in the software space, there's communities of people out there who are very engaged in that. And so maybe you're not always selling to those same people. Maybe there's some people outside of that community you're selling to, but the most important part is that's still your community. And if you are not in the community, you're casting that into a random part of the ocean, hoping to catch a fish, find your community, engage your community, because what's going to happen when you're in that community is you're going to start to learn what conversations are happening, what's relevant. It could even come back to where you're able to talk with um, your product teams and things like that and discuss, Hey, you know, we're doing really good, but there's this one feature. There's this one thing about what we do that isn't quite in line with what people are asking for. And you're able to have those conversations and show the evidence. Um, you're able to get down to the root cause of why people care about things. Um, find out where the discussions are happening, what kind of content they're absorbing. You start to understand it and it just becomes second nature to know what's relevant versus trying to absorb all types of things because that's not how people engage on social media. Everybody's pocket, everybody's community interacts differently. I have people that I follow, they write literally paragraphs below their Instagram photos. And you bet we read every single like bit of them and then we respond with paragraphs. That doesn't happen to a lot of accounts. Most people don't read on social media. Most people just wanna absorb it and get out. Um, but it depends on the community. We find that the community is valuable and this person provides insight and it started a conversation. You wanna to get to the point where you can provide that insight and start those conversations. And that if you're not at the conversation, when it happens, somebody pulls you in. And so finding your community, getting to know your community, focusing on a platform, um, and just really on the value you provide as a business on those platforms is gonna go a long way in pushing you forward. And it's going to show real results in your business off of social media too. It's time consuming. I, I talked before, I mean, it, uh, that's something that really doesn't happen overnight at all. Uh, that's something that, you know, could be a full-time job and then a full-time job under that full-time job, uh, making sure that you're doing what you need to do um, to be that voice uh, takes a lot of time and effort. And, uh, most people overlook that, but there's so much value in that because on social media, word travels so fast, either positively or negatively. So I think it's, it's almost like you have to be hypercritical and understand um, personal 
you know, people on a personal level, um, other professionals in your niche, but then also competitors, you know, you got to keep an eye on what's going on there. Um, so it's, it's social media for B2C and B2B is just so hypercritical nowadays. I don't, I don't really, uh, know how a lot of businesses will find a lot of growth unless I find it very, I find very few businesses in any space, I guess, that really don't have at least one social platform that they use as either news, information, promotional. Um, but I think it's, I think a lot of companies aren't spending enough time at or money or resources on doing proper research, leveraging social media. And uh, I think there's a lot of room for growth and social media has been around for a long time. I remember when Instagram started. So uh, it, uh, it's, <laughs> it, it did look a lot different and it worked a lot differently. Uh, but I think, uh, I think as we continue to add platforms like TikTok or whatever the next thing is, I think that, um, I think it's important to invest time to see if it makes sense for your business and if it fits, you know, what message you want to send, but then, um, invest the time in building that community and culture. And like, for example, uh, Facebook groups, I know I talked a little bit on our other podcast about Facebook groups. That's a place where we've built a community. Um, we leverage Facebook groups as a company here. And uh, it's just a good place for either prospects or customers to go and work together if they have an issue, or it allows us to figure out if, maybe we're not providing the right content to fit that message. We can ask for help, um, but it's our community. Uh, and I think it's hyper, I mean, it's hypercritical to find your community, especially as a business owner. And you could even learn a thing or two personally about your community without you even knowing it. Um, and like you said, Haley, uh, there might be some functionality or, um, some service that a competitor has that you never would have thought of if you weren't involved in your community. And that's maybe what takes your business to the next level. So um, there's just a lot of, a lot of growth opportunities when you um, get involved in the community and really work hard to be a thought leader. Mm -hmm. All right. No, I think that's right. I'm going to go ahead and take this chance to wrap up. So thank you, Sam, for joining us. For everyone who tuned in, if you're not yet on social media, and it seems like we covered a lot, there's probably a lot more we could have covered. But the important thing is start simple um, and work your way into it. You don't have to spend hours a week on it. You can start off and say, I'm going to spend a couple hours a week on different platforms and I will grow from there until you can invest further or do things as you grow that you wouldn't have been able to do from the start. Start simple, build up. Um, maintain consistency and mostly focus on your community. You can do everything else after. Um, but thank you again for tuning in this week. Well, this month on everyday business solutions, and we'll see you next year.